Right, and welcome back. As I promised, uh, the president of the Federation of American Immigration Reform, Dan Stein, is my guest. He's an internationally known immigration policy expert, and uh, uh, Dan and I go way back, and uh, he's the first person I think of whenever I hear crazy stories. And, of course, I heard the craziest story out of New York, Dan, and lo and behold, you responded immediately. (laughs) What is going (laughs) on? I'm doing okay, but apparently my hometown, not so much. Oh, well, this is part of the overall power grab that we've now seen nonstop from the Democrat Party over the last several years. And it's not surprising that uh, politicians, in their effort to take power and hold it forever, forget that the core principle of a democracy is that citizens are office holders in a democracy, participating as voters and as people who run for office. And uh, this process of eliminating all distinctions between citizens and aliens, that is, people who are citizens of other countries, continues unabated to the point now where in New York City, almost nothing distinguishes a citizen from from an alien. Mm -hmm. And everybody had sort of high hopes for Mayor Eric Adams, the new mayor there, because he's a law guy, he's a police officer, so we thought maybe law might matter to him. Well, by changing the rules, which are of doubtlessly questionable constitutionality, um, but if it did actually go into effect indefinitely, it it really puts citizens of other countries in the decision-making position in New York City. Mm -hmm. The people who are here as non-citizens are citizens of other countries. They still have retained their political loyalty to those other countries, can vote in those countries. And so, in effect... um, they're really saying that they're throwing the political future of New York City into people who have um, peripheral attachments to our society. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're talking about, you know, let's say if it's a city election, well, they just had a mayoral election. How many people voted in that election? Oh, my gosh. I mean, several million. It's, uh, a lot of people have mess. That yeah. is... Uh, um, but, you know, this is an example of the kind of leadership we're looking at. It's like hard to see how New York City's ever going to come back, Joyce, at this point. Yeah. It may be years. Yeah, I have no intention of even visiting, never mind returning there. <laughs> I can tell you that. And I got a president who, who just met with, the, you know, the Mexican president, and they didn't even talk about the border crisis. I, mean, I find that unbelievable. Well, Biden is, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with the Biden administration, Joyce. This is the most appalling, uh, unbelievable collapse of effective leadership, I've, certainly in my lifetime. The fact that he hasn't paid any attention to the border since claiming wrongfully, or as they like to say about Trump, without evidence, that what was happening at the border was cyclical, that it happens every year, blah, 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 and then he threw the baton to Kamala Harris, who did nothing, and then walked away, right? No questions, doesn't take questions. I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's the, it's the theater of the absurd, mm-hmm. how you can possibly think about uh, this guy serving another three years when he won't carry out even the most essential functions of the commander-in-chief. Uh, you know, and, and the, the, what the Democrat Party is spending all its time doing is, is basically trying to shore up a process where they never lose an election. 
right. without regard to the wisdom of the policies they're pushing in, on their own merits. Mm-hmm. And they continue to spend money without regard to the value of our currency, sending this country you know, quickly into kind of third-world status, debauching the value of the currency, and apparently believe you can continue to deliver first-world government services without border control. I mean, fortunately, Ron DeSantis and uh, Greg Abbott and a few other governors are pushing back pretty effectively on this stuff. But still, politically, if there's one issue besides inflation where the administration is vulnerable, it's immigration. You would think. I mean, Donald Trump won an election. He came out of nowhere to win an election. And there's nobody who would deny that his number one issue was immigration and that it resonated with the American people. I just read a study that while people may be more liberal in terms of their social opinions these days, more people are voting for the Republican Party because no matter what you think about, you know, those subjects like uh, abortion or even immigration, you see the changes that are happening to our country and the American citizens not pleased. Well, so the big news here is the Hispanic voting bloc, which is very diverse, by the way, of course, yeah. you know, is um, rapidly moving toward um, Republicans. And we, in fact, fear is for the first time running Spanish language ads, versions of our English language ads on YouTube now, uh, promoting this idea that Biden created this border crisis. And it reflects the shift you see among Hispanic voters in Texas, in particular, also Florida who are rejecting Democrats' positions on a range of issues, not just immigration, but this is certainly one of the major ones. And while certainly Hispanic voters in general are more sympathetic to things like uh, amnesty programs or reuniting people and that sort of thing, they certainly don't believe any more than anyone else does that a country can prosper with uncontrolled borders. Yeah, and it's those communities, whether it's the uh, Hispanic legal immigrant community or the African-American community or any other, uh, you know, legitimate refugees who come to this country, they're in competition with people who literally um, have no allegiance to this country whatsoever. It wasn't a choice. Uh, It was simply they were fleeing something worse. And I just, you know, for the life of me as a Hispanic, and you've known me for years, I have always uh, just marveled at the fact that it took us this long or it took my cousins this long to figure out that we're the ones worst hurt by this, that all of those uh, beginning jobs that used to go to legal immigrants, that used to go to our children during the summers in high school, uh, they're being you know, taken up by people who literally also get the benefit of all kinds of social programs. And now in California, what is a Newsom wants to give health care to illegal immigrants. Now, you know, what is that going to cost the taxpayer of California? Well, Demo- I mean, Democrats aren't going to change their tune until they begin to realize that the Hispanic voting blocs are not like the African-American ones and that uh, Hispanics are not going to maintain this kind of uh, knee-jerk political loyalty, regardless of what crazy policies the Democrats push. And only then will they start coming back to the center and acting more like people who understand the rule of law. Uh, there's been such a dramatic draconian shift in the Democrats where you know Harry Reid is lying in state now, and anybody who followed Harry Reid's career knows that he was sponsoring legislation in the early 1990s to really shut down immigration overall, take a breather, moratorium, had a whole bunch of good 
resolves and a bill that he passed, and he walked away from it when the Democratic Party leaned on him too heavily. And then suddenly, by the time Obama came in, he turned into an open borders radical. And that's what's happened now. You know, since Obama came in, the party has just become radicalized to the point where the, the trend is obvious. They believe that bringing in low-skill immigrants and then giving them benefits and the right to vote will accelerate a process of consolidating permanent one-party political control for the next 80 years. And there aren't a lot of things that stand in their way, as you can see. Constitution doesn't preclude states from giving non-citizens or aliens the right to vote in certain elections because states are given a lot of that authority. So what's happened in New York has started a movement around the country, which we're supportive of, to have constitutional amendments in state after state to preclude these kind of maneuvers. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, our democracy will not survive if citizenship means nothing, Joyce. Yeah, well, I think there were some lawmakers that introduced a bill that said if you uh, let non-citizens vote in your cities, we're not going to fund you. We're not going to give you federal funding for your uh, buildings and roads. I think, uh, it, it, you know, that was a great piece of legislation. Of course, it went nowhere in a Democratic House. Well, um, Leader McCarthy is talking about what he would do if he gets to be Speaker, and uh, he's uh, talking a very good game. Uh, of course, the Democrats will use it to fundraise, but still, he's saying no amnesty if he gets to be Speaker, not moving any of those bills. He's making political commitments now that are should be music to Republican voter ears, I would think. He's certainly suggesting that they're going to be exercising very rigorous oversight over the Biden administration if they get control of Congress in November. So, I mean, what, what FAIR has tried to do for the last year has set up the issue through strategic advertising around the country mm-hmm. to model ad strategies that we hope political consultants will use to sort of elevate this issue throughout the year. And that seems to be happening the way we're hoping. Immigration is going to be a very huge issue all through this year. Well, particularly if uh, a a certain person decides that he's going to throw his hat into the race on the Republican ticket. And actually, uh, there are a couple of them that have seized upon this issue. And uh, and I think it's it's going to be the deciding issue for who gets the nomination. It was in 2016 or 15, and it will be again. Uh, so I'm certainly hoping that you're right, that they will see the handwriting on the wall. But, you know, I've, I've known Kevin McCarthy, as have you, for years, and uh, he talks a much better game than he actually uh, walks, if that's the right expression. Yeah, well, yeah. they all do after they get in power for a while, but uh, Not at, Trump. Least, uh, <laughs> at least it's it kind of put Biden on the defensive. I mean, every lesson I know politically from Jimmy Carter on, tells you that if you if the appearance of a loss of control of borders is politically devastating and destroys political careers and Biden mm-hmm. has allowed a situation to evolve that people historically have viewed as simply untenable in any administration uh, right. certainly if republicans do not seize on the opportunity and make it a big issue it would be inexplicable yeah 
Well, you got 30 Democrats that have already said they're not going to run for re-election. And I mean, I think that's telling. Uh, I think what it says, it's not just a matter of they don't want to be in the minority. It's a matter of they can't go home to their constituents with all the garbage that's going on. Imagine if you're a Democrat in Texas, Arizona, you know, California. You know, what do you go home and say to your constituents who say, um, we've got uh, MS-13 gang members. We have uh, environmental issues cropping up all over the place because we're overburdened. We have jails that are filled to capacity. You know, our schools are overcrowded. Our hospitals are overcrowded. You know, you, you got to answer these questions, and they don't have an answer. Well, pretty soon, the only people who will be left in those Democrat states are people who, uh, for one reason or another, don't have the... Uh, interest in leaving, but everyone else seems to be going to Texas and Florida at the moment. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> all their constituents are going to wind up down in Florida. <laughs> yeah, as long as they don't bring their voting patterns with them, it's okay with me. They're all welcome here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. I got a place in Tampa, and it, you, know, you walk around, and now and then you see those uh, signs, you kind of get worried. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you come down to Florida and you realize what it's like to be free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, I think it's great. Don't take it for granted either. I mean, DeSantis is very popular in Florida, and for good reason. Um, He's certainly on anybody's short list as a presidential contender in 24. I guess he's on yours too, right? He would be my first choice for vice president, that's for sure, because I think uh, that would then lead to a successful two terms after. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know me, I'm always uh, thinking ahead. Uh, plus, the state of Florida would be uh, just in deep trouble if he were to leave, that we don't have anybody on the bench who could take over for him. Not now. Mm-hmm. And I like well, it. I it like being in the that, free. It, we'll keep an eye on this non-citizen voting trend and keep you informed about it because, it, uh, you know, this is kind of a third rail. People need to understand that citizenship means something very important in a democracy and if the Democrats try to push this idea of saving democracy by destroying it, which seems to be what they want to do. Uh, and you notice, I mean, there's like almost no public debate. Now, there certainly right. are noises in the, among Republicans in the New York State Assembly and Republicans on the city council who want to challenge what has happened. Mm-hmm. And they will challenge it. And our law institute will certainly support that effort. But yeah. it's one of these things where you just step back and you go, wow, there really was hardly any political debate beforehand. Eric Adams said he didn't think it was constitutional, neither did de Blasio, but they come out of these backroom discussions with the city council saying that their concerns were allayed, mm. but they don't bother telling us how they were, I mean, what the discussion was or how they were allayed, what, what exactly was discussed, why did a really terrible idea suddenly become a good idea when people explain it to you in the back room? Well, you can't say it, but I can. An envelope full of cash will do it every time. I'm a former New Yorker, so I, I know that to be a fact. Yeah, that's what they did to Kirsten Gillibrand. I mean, she yeah. was actually a pretty good immigration reformer when she was a representative. Mm-hmm. Once she got appointed to take Hillary's Senate seat, they, they took her in the back room and beat her up. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, um, and we didn't even begin to talk about the, the drugs, the fentanyl that's pouring over the border, but I'll save that for another time with uh, you or one of the other folks over at FAIR because that is also affecting the way people feel about this immigration issue. You know, when, you, when you're losing teenage children in West Virginia and Ohio and Illinois and, you know, in the country, in, in Montana, 
uh, it becomes a big issue for the voters. And, uh, you know, I hope that the, that the Republicans know that and use that as well. Dan Stein, thank you as always. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you. Everybody should read his blog and uh, all of the information that's available at FairUS. That's one word, fairus.org, and to support their efforts so they can put those ads out. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Joyce. Great to talk to you. Always a pleasure.